So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today, I've got my co-host Travis here, where we're going to talk about seven things that we would do differently uh, if we start our own stores. So, Travis, uh, what's going on, man? So, basically, I think the number one thing that I'd do differently if I had to start my store over again was I'd pick a better name. My name for my company currently is Bailar Dancewear, which nobody can spell, which is a problem. Bal B A L I A R or B A I L A R. It's Spanish for to dance. Which, you know, the good thing is I'm in the fashion industry and most of the names for fashion stuff, people really can't spell. So it's not the end of the world. But, you know, so many people, when they call, they don't know how to pronounce it or they don't know how to spell it. I see all kinds of misspellings when I look in Google for what kind of search terms people are coming to my site with. Yeah. So. But at least you can rank for the ones that spell wrong too, I guess, right? Or That's true. That's actually, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, but it's interesting, you look at fashion things. From a standpoint, like you can't call it like bestdancewear.com. It just sounds tacky, right? Like there has to be like some aesthetic to it, to the naming. Absolutely. That was actually our number one criteria is I actually said, what would this look like on the back of a pair of booty shorts? You know, you always see like on the back of booty shorts or down the like side of a pair of dance pants, like names of companies. And it can't be like, yeah, best dance pants or cool dance pants. And is your logo like kind of cursive format, the typography? Is it like a cursive thing for Bel Air or like a... Right now, we just have like an italic type thing. I'm still, I'm not the best graphic design person. That's something that I'd love to hire someone eventually, but for free, I think I did a good yeah, job. just to get started and all that stuff too. So I guess what would you call it differently than if you wouldn't use Bel Air? I don't know exactly. You know, it's one of those things that, Certain mistakes, I feel like you make the mistake and you just want to forget about it and just maybe for the next company, I'd try to come up with something, um, yeah, something that people could spell that still sounds nice. I've had little different ideas like American dance pants, but that's not that great, you know. My number one, yeah, because you could go, you could go off like the made in USA angle and have something. I don't know, go along that line, I guess, right? Yeah, one, I mean, there's a company that sells, I think, dance underwear or dance briefs or something like that called Spanx. And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's an easy name to spell. Um, it's memorable and maybe something like that. But I think the number one thing, and I might have said this on the last podcast, is if I were to come up with another idea, I'd just write one name down a day until something hit me that I'm like, that's it. 100% that's it. Yeah. One thing that could be useful is like, are there like vernacular words that say people in the dance industry use or dancers use that's really like something that identifies with them? I guess like kind of like with what they say in their own head, like, hey, I'm a dancer, I wear this kind of gear. And it's like a reflection of my identity, like kind of like on a deeper level, it's something you can think about too. You know, that's, yeah, that's something I probably should have done a lot more market research on is what kind of stuff like that. Yeah, because yeah, every industry has its own catchphrases, right? Like internet marketing has like, I don't know, SEO, like, backlinking penguin that you probably make like a t-shirt joke penguin out of that like there's things that certain reflect off people's kind of my worldview when they do things too so i don't know uh, i guess that's uh, your first one so my first one is uh, basically figure out the brand identity sooner so I, I realized when i started out you know we always talk about drop shipping versus making your own products and it sounds like oh just make your own brand like yeah you just, it's just like make it in a day like no it actually takes a long time and it's a really abstract abstract thing and one thing i realized was that when i started out uh, i just kind of made my first product got people to buy it and that was it and i didn't really define who it was for or what it means to have this hashtag baller 
on your wallet, right? So for example, when people buy Nike stuff, there's a certain affinity you see when you have that check mark. I don't know, like an iPad with that Apple logo. So, so there's something there that you need to create, but it's just, I didn't yeah. do it starting out. And I thought I could just go off like product quality, but turns out that most people probably don't care about that. And you know, something I need to revisit uh, right now too. So I've been digging into a lot of Seth Godin stuff. And she, he actually just presented at a fashion conference in July uh, in Paris, actually, the video I sent you, I don't know if you saw it, but basically, he was saying, hey, if you make wallets, if you make luxury bags, here's what you should do. And I was like, oh, wow, it's like a thing just for me, like 30 minutes. And like the past few days, I've been just deconstructing everything he says in there to like reverse engineer this thing the right way now. What were some of the tips that he gave in it? Sure. So you know how he always talks about um, tribes, right? Like you got to build mm-hmm. a community, like blah, blah, blah. So the thing is, like, when you make your own physical product, like, well, what's the tribe? Like, what, well, what kind of tribe? Right. And so naturally I started digging into his blog post. It turns out there's actually four kinds of tribes. Uh, One is social. So say you enjoy, what kind of music do you like? Uh, Classic rock, um, blues. Uh, Like say ACDC or whatever. Right. So say ACDC comes to LA, you go to the concert, you know, that concert is kind of like a social tribe because you guys all like ACDC, but it's not really that strong as say like a business thing, like the DC that you just joined, right? Where we kind of, we can talk about what happens in our business, problems, things like that. And there's also cultural tribes. So say if I were to meet you in say, I don't know, like Congo or something, and we we're the only Americans, dude, we would have this affinity because we're both from the US, right? And then there's also, um, I guess, social and values. So say like, you go like the environmentalist or the animal rights guy, you know, they're kind of sharing the same social uh, circles and values to kind of build that tribe. So basically, you know, which kind do you want to build? Just a social one, one with values, a cultural one, or like a business one. So I was like, okay, well, I got to figure this out too. And so, uh, so if you dig deeper into tribes, he says, well, you know, what makes a tribe work, right? It's kind of like they all share the same uh, connection with each other, you know, like-minded people. But then what makes the like-minded people and that connection so strong it's because they all share kind of the same story and identity so say like the guy that buys like when you buy eggs you can buy regular how, I don't know, how much are eggs in the u.s now? um it depends uh the regular like crappy eggs like the you know factory farm eggs probably like a dollar fifty a dozen at trader joe's or up to i buy 20 at the farmer's market for seven dollars so it's about like four or five dollars for like the really high-end stuff yeah gotcha all right so say let's there's like these organic high-end things. And Seth Godin is basically saying it all starts from your worldview, right? So basically when you buy, say, $7 organic eggs, you're saying, hey, I believe chickens should run freely on the grass, you know, eating all the worms they want without GMO injections and kind of having, you know, naturally grown, right? And and by Mm -hmm. buying these eggs, it's validating what the story you tell in your own head. Because when you buy this, buy these eggs, you kind of feel good, like, oh yes, I'm supporting chickens who are, you know, running free, eating worms, whatever. And so basically, that ties into the story that you can then tell as a brand, whatever that chicken egg brand was, and then they can use that to build the hey, we're all kind of eating natural foods, organic things like that. So, so I guess like if you look at like a wallet or like a bottle of whiskey, right? Like a guy that's a 45 year old eye banker sees a bottle of Burgundy that's 100 bucks. You know, it might, he might think it's cheap, but the college kid that just you know is a sophomore, he'll think it's really expensive. So it's like the worldview is different perspectives for each type of person. So I guess it really boils down to like the ideal customer thing. But I think worldview is much more impactful than just say, oh, like he's 22 to 30. He went to college and you know, he drives a Porsche or something like that. And so he breaks down worldview even more to like three elements where uh, your worldview really is uh, your bias, your attention, and your vernacular. So vernacular, like I said earlier, is just like every term you have in the industry, right? Like we have internet marketing terms, like we all know Penguin. <laughs> 
doesn't mean the actual penguin. It means that Google yeah. update, right? So it's kind of like a vernacular there. And so it also changes the attention stuff we focus on. So naturally, when we see, you know, Matt Cutt say something, we're like, oh, like, what does he say? Although he's retired, but say Google, I think they're uh, ranking what HTTPS sites higher now. Like that just draws attention to us, right? But for our friends, they're like, well, I don't care about Google rankings, right? And there's also the bias where we pay attention to. So kind of figuring out this stuff was like, oh, yeah, it's actually much more granular than just like, oh, build a tribe, which sounds very kind of meta and up there. So yeah, so I'm working on the past week, basically. So figuring all that stuff out and then uh, kind of redirecting. So specifically, what would you have done? How would you have done that differently then? Uh, I think I would have found, I would have drilled the first few people that bought my products a lot harder on why they bought it and what they felt compelled them to buy it. I think I didn't really do that enough. I'm angry to that now, but I feel like that's something I should have done really early on and just find out like, hey, why did you buy this? Why did you like it? What was it about the story I told you that made you feel really compelled to it? And then look for like connections that overlapped and then just build off that. That's a great point. You know, you always hear everybody talking about uh, putting up surveys on your website itself, but you don't really hear that many people talking about the people that buy from you. Those are the people that you really need to interview. But I, w I will say it's tough because I've sent out stuff like that before. You know, you send out like a thousand and you get three answers back. Yeah. And some, sometimes when you ask them, they're just like, yeah, it's great. It works well. And then you're like, you're like, ah, oh, like, I want you to tell me more. Like, <laughs> and then, and then you're like, oh, right, I got to ask the next guy. And you don't want to bug them again with like, it's similar to the thing we were talking about last week, which is, oh, how'd you find us? Google. No, no, no. Like a paid ad or like a product placement ad. Yeah, exactly. People, people don't really care usually. Yeah. One thing he has said about worldview too, is like, the worldview is how someone acts when you're not there. So say when you buy your $7 eggs, you know, I'm not there when you buy it, but it's, it goes on in your head, right? It's all like this mental thing you tell yourself. Yeah, that's true. It actually kind of leads into my next point, which is I would have started a blog earlier for my site. And there's so many different reasons that having a blog for my site is just a great asset to have. Uh, one of the best ones is we're able to interview what we consider our most valuable customers, which is studio owners. And these are people that buy hundreds and hundreds of dancewear costumes throughout their life. And so we're basically able to say to them, hey, we want to talk to you. What do, what do you want? Oh, you want more free advertisement? Well, we can do that with our blog. Another thing that's really cool is that it gives me something to work on. Um, I think that you can't really work on every aspect of your business all the time. For instance, once you design the look and feel of your website, leave it alone for a little while. You don't need to constantly, I know I've suffered from this where I constantly want to change the color and the, you know, move the, everything over a pixel. It's the, it's the worst thing. Um, but the good thing with the blog is I feel like, or really any platform that you create content, it's something that you can work on every day and it'll pay off. So with me, I could find, you know, hundreds or thousands of different dance studio owners, emails, call them, interview all of them. If I have a thousand articles on my blog, all interviewing dance studio owners, you better bet there's going to be a lot more traffic to me. Yeah. And I think the thing with organic stuff is it takes a long time to snowball unless you have some super viral thing. Like there was a chart where I saw it, it was basically saying PPC versus organic. Like PPC was a very linear kind of returns it was just like a flat line because you pay ten dollars you get 20 and really once that ten dollars spent you don't get it back right but it was like organic like a post is there forever it could rank maybe it not rank but it was like it was the, there was a time chart plotted against it and i think like most major companies organic seemed to win out around like 36 months 48 months before it really just skyrocketed over ppc yeah and it also gives you a lot of flexibility so i'm looking at doing some long tail keyword articles and 
without a blog, it's kind of hard to do that. But now that I have the blog, I found a bunch of different long tail keywords that I'm going to try to rank for. And so I'm really excited about that too. Yeah. And once it's out there, it's out there forever. Like the only thing that's different about, I think a blog and say something like iTunes or YouTube, where you can also do content is like, like iTunes and YouTube are like a river, right? There's people going there searching for stuff and you just put your hand in there and then you can kind of pick some up. Whereas like, like your website, it's like putting your message in a bottle and like throwing it out in the ocean and hoping someone sees it. But, but I mean, if you throw enough bottles out there, it's going to flood the ocean, right? It's just a matter of do you have that time, money, and energy to actually work on that and if that's possible with you know all your mm-hmm. time constraints. That's absolutely true. And actually, another thing, I just yesterday sent out an email to all our customers looking for basically the dancer of the month. And I asked people, just send me one to two sentences why you think you should be the dancer of the month. And we had a ton of responses. I was really uh, impressed with how many people responded. And so my goal is actually, I think I'm going to probably change it to dancer of the week because we've got so many responses. Basically, I'm creating, I'm turning these people into my thousand true fans. It's, they're going to have an article about them, like a full featured article on my website. You better bet the next time they need dancewear, they're going to think about me before they think about going to some other store. Yeah, because when you win dancer of the week, there's this ego thing that you kind of get fulfilled, right? You get, you're recognized, you know, you kind of get validated in some ways and you're like, oh yeah, I'm awesome. And then it links the good feeling to you guys too. Absolutely. And I, I guess that's what the blog to me really is, is this kind of freedom. It's, it's a freedom to be able to talk about or do whatever I want, where it's a little bit harder to do that if you don't have a blog. So yeah, yeah, I think that would be my second point. So what are some of the reasons they're saying they should win? I'm kind of curious, are you seeing any like overlaps or what are um, they? Yeah, so it, it, we, I actually am really surprised with how many different types of people that entered. Uh, we had one lady that's in her 70s and she's talking about how she's still dancing and she's going strong. Then we had a guy that talked about how, you know, he was going to go off to college and had a really good opportunity, but instead he wants to follow his passion of dancing. Then we have a 10-year-old. I think we even had like a 7-year-old that there's no way that she typed this out, but it was really just a beautifully written thing about how passionate she is. Um, a lot of different people talk about how passionate they are when it comes to dance. It's, it's interesting. Alrighty. So I guess the next one is mine. Um, my second one I would do differently is I would have picked something with a repeat purchase. So, so I realized uh, one thing, so kind of like a bag, uh, wallet, something that lasts really a long time. You don't really get a lot of repeat purchases. If they, if your qual, if your product is built nice, right, they last like maybe two, three years, and then the customer may go to someone else. Whereas, like, say, if you buy supplements or maybe even like dancewear, like you know, maybe the seasons change, you need different colors. Like, there's always like a substitution thing or like a repurchase thing element that you have that I didn't think about, and I thought, oh yeah, I'll just do wallets and you know whatever, I'll figure it out. And <laughs> I guess I would pick something that has more repeat purchase or kind of something along those lines. Because I guess you always got to find new people or maybe if they don't buy, at least they tell their friends, uh, things like that. And it's kind of just scaling up. It probably takes a lot longer too. Yeah, that, that is tougher because there's very few things that I buy online that I tell my friends about, uh, especially especially fashionable things. Hindsight 2020, there's no perfect niche, but you know it is what it is. So, And I think, so going back to that Seth Godin thing I talked about, it was interesting. So he was saying, yeah, if you look at like luxury goods in like the 1900s, like the age of like Cindy Crawford, like that time, it was about what they wore, right? It was like the age of the supermodel. It was like having that logo that defined you as part of a tribe, whether it's like LV, Gucci, or whatever, right? And he's saying now that you can get stuff made, if not better, 
pretty much just as well, if not better than whatever these guys sell, right? And so one of the tech startups he had at this conference asked him, well, <laughs> uh, what do you buy your girlfriend when she already has three Gucci bags, right? Do you buy her another Louis Vuitton one? Like, no, she probably has that. Do you buy her a Ferragamo one? No. Like, so they're saying like, okay, so that's probably where the opportunity is for new brands, right? It's to have some story behind their product that is completely unique. And really the luxury now is not the logo or the, qual- or the quality of the product. It's like the connection people have being you know, united by this, some brand uh, or whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. It, it's, it's tough though. I do have to say it's tough creating that from scratch. I think anyone that's starting a business, they always think, oh, you know, my site's gonna go viral because I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, but it's never that easy. Uh, you've heard of like the Ironman triathlon, Yeah. right? Do you have any idea how much they pay to join that? No idea. So apparently the Hawaii one, you have to pay 15000 to join. What? And so like every year, hundreds of guys pay 15000 fly to Hawaii, and then they lose, right? Like, like where, where is, where, what, it doesn't make sense, right? So you're saying a lot of them, well, it's not about, you know, they don't have water to swim at home. They don't have a bike to ride at home. They don't have a gym to work at home. It's the pilgrimage yeah. of being with other dudes that wear red hats with you, and you guys are doing this together, right? That's what they're paying for. And that's actually a luxury good in itself, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about like the eggs that you paid for that are $7. Well, does anyone really need to pay $7 for eggs? Like, no, that's kind of a luxury thing too, right? It was interesting how saying like, as long as you're not selling a commodity, you're basically selling a luxury good in this new kind of online world. So I was like, oh yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. Because I always thought luxury was just strictly, you know, Louis Vuitton, Bentley, whatever. And even like he was saying, if you look at like B2B, like those big consulting firms like uh, Bain, McKinsey, like Booz Allen, those are like luxury goods too, right? Because only the biggest companies can really afford to spend on these consultants that just make PowerPoints. That's true. So my number three is actually to realize that not everybody you think knows something about online online business or online marketing actually does. Not everybody knows what they're talking about when it comes to this stuff. When I was first starting out, I asked a lot of different people, you know, oh, how should I do this? You know, which, how should I do this? And I got a bunch of different answers. A lot of people, in fact, would say things like, don't do it. Stop. Your idea is terrible. And these are even friends would be like, oh, that's a bad idea. Point out all the flaws. One example in particular is, so I have an online or an e-commerce business, right? So people are supposed to come to my site and buy from me. This guy told me straight up, put AdWords, AdSense ads on my site, which is ridiculous. It's, it's basically saying, oh yeah, let my competitors advertise on my site. And maybe I'll make a penny or two per click. And the problem is, you know, for the first hour talking with this guy, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And you're like, yeah, and this was right, right after I quit my job, maybe a, a month or two into building my store. And I'm just looking for help anywhere I could. And this guy comes to me and he says this and it's, I know he's wrong, but there's that part of you that's like, maybe I'm missing something here. Yeah. Like kind of like just a guy that tells you what you should do versus what he's actually doing, I guess. Yeah. Even like, even like the financial gurus, like Susie Orman yeah. or whatever, like, oh, buy, you know, 401ks or buy, you know, in this stock. But they actually just have, they make money off book deals, right? Like their own wealth. It's, like, it's just like, okay, like where, where are you talking to talk? Yeah. And I think um, something I've noticed is when you give people your idea, one of two things happens. Either they want to shoot it down, which I still don't really understand. I think people are kind of, I'm too scared to do this, so you shouldn't do it. Or two, they want to give you ideas and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad, but ideas like outside of your realm. For instance, uh, one guy told me, oh, you know, your idea is not that great, but instead what you should do is just pick, you know, one of your items and just feature that really as the premium thing. Uh, so for instance, just have a pair of booty shorts and make it look really glamorous. And I'm not saying that wouldn't have worked, 
But I think when you're listening to someone give their idea, make sure you give them an idea that is along the same line of thinking that they're thinking. Don't just completely be like, no, 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 don't, don't do this. Do this completely other thing. The other thing too is like, these people probably mean well, but they just aren't the right people to give the advice, I think. Because like, if you want anyone to give you advice, certainly they'll give you advice, right? Because I guess it makes them feel good, makes them feel smart, whatever. But is it actually applicable? Like, would I take advice from a guy that makes, say, ebook covers or something like that? Or yeah. Or like he sells? Not all internet marketing is the same. I mean, having an online business, for instance, I find... Uh, not that display advertising can't work. It's less likely to work. I feel like search marketing is going to work more likely. So if you talk to somebody, you know, that's maybe an expert at whatever Facebook ads and your thing has nothing to do, it won't work with Facebook ads for whatever reason. Keep that in mind. You know, if you're a hammer, you see everything as a nail and not all internet marketers have the same line of thinking. Yeah, like say you're selling industrial chemicals. You, why would you go on Facebook for that, right? Like, oh, I mean, maybe you could, but this is really hard to Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Like, I, actually, I just went this last weekend uh, to a thing that was for Facebook ads for local businesses. I'm not saying you can't do Facebook ads for local businesses. I'm sure you can, but it's a lot tougher. Your market's a lot smaller. So if you're selling bikes and you want to sell it within... Uh, for instance, the Los Angeles area, you can do it, but it's going to be a smaller market than if you're an e-commerce store that sells to the entire United States that sells bikes. So it's slightly different tactics. What worked for someone else at that time may have worked because the circumstances were different, right? Like say you look at like these, I don't know, who, who's like, like say John Dumas, right? The entrepreneur on fire guy. Mm -hmm. Like he started podcasting two years ago when it wasn't really that crowded yet. And if you want to do it now, like, yeah, he could tell you what you do, but can't assume that what he did would work now because you also have different relationships, timing, you know, work ethics, things like that. The markets and the saturation is much different now too. So it's like, yeah, that, know, that's what like, I, that's what I try to not give too much advice because I don't even know if my advice is right or if it's going to work. So I just be like, Hey, here's what I think. But I always get like a disclaimer, like, Hey, I may not know what I'm talking about. So you have to see uh, for yourself too. So yeah, I guess anyone listening, you know, even if you listen to this, Hey, we're just two guys with a microphone over Skype, basically. <laughs> when I first started, I read, I think it was on the Warrior Forum, there's a 30 days to like great SEO or something like that. And a lot of it's like completely useless nowadays. Uh, a lot of article marketing, which I don't, I think it's still a good base, a lot of the different stuff that was out there, but it's not, it's not like it used to be. It used to be throw up some articles, you know, do a couple of this and that. SEO is not as simple as it used to be, sadly. Yeah, like some of our guys talk about how it still can be gamed in the DC, but it's like, it's so much work to like, I think now the thing is like to have your own blog network. So you buy like old URLs or something like that, you rebuild the sites and then you have like kind of like 30 websites that link to each other and then link to your site. But you have to keep buying more to expand the network instead of going to like some guy and asking for a link. I'm just like, that's so much work. You gotta have them on like different accounts. If you're linked to the same Google Analytics account, you might get banned. It's like, it's really so much work. It's like, yeah. yeah. And you know, how long until Google is able to figure out that that's, you know, a thing yeah, that they exactly. want to stop. Yeah. And, and it might make sense for some people to do this. It might make not, but like, I don't know. I think if you're, if you're just a solo guy, you might as well spend your efforts legitimately either on your brand or outreach or things like that, right? All right, cool. So uh, I guess we've kind of beaten the horse of that one. So my last one, uh, number three, is uh, asking for help earlier. So one thing that I kind of struggled with was, I guess I kind of like copy and design stuff. So I have a good designer friend here. Uh, who was on the podcast and he's like he's been doing this for like 20 years and so the way he thinks about things like even just things like 
Um, do you ever read like medium.com? I don't, no. So basically like there's certain fonts that match together well, like say your headline, Bella Dancewear is like uh, like Arial, right? You're actually, your tagline underneath it shouldn't be just a smaller font. It should be something else that complements it. And there's certain font combinations you can do online. And just little design things like this that make the extra polish to your site. Like I wish like I asked for some help or say, hey, just tear down my site. Like what can I change here? What doesn't work? What doesn't work? What should work? Things like that. And also just kind of like, I guess finding fulfillment centers, a lot of stuff along the way. Like, uh, I guess I was like scared to ask for help or something like that. And I don't know. Actually, now, now I'm just like, okay, like, like beat me down. What's what's wrong with this? What do you think's wrong with this? And like, all right, I'll choose. I'll be more selective in taking advice, like we said earlier. But uh, something I guess I kind of should have done a lot earlier. No, I I agree with that. I mean, I've said before that I completely built my website, spent a couple hundred bucks on Google AdWords only to ask my roommate, who was a girl at the time, what do you think about this? And she says, yeah, it looks, it looks really technically good, but it doesn't say buy me. And that's something I personally never thought about. What do you mean it doesn't say buy me? She's like, well, it needs to be brighter. It needs to be, you know, all this stuff. And that completely changed the way that I looked at the website. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, and something like that website, when you see it day in, day out, you're used to seeing it in a way that other people who just got there can't see it, right? So one thing I started doing is I would like, you know, when we meet up with people, I just, hey, go to my website, and I would actually look at where they click, or like look at where the eyes go. I wouldn't look at the site. I would just look at like, oh, what are they doing? Like, where are they getting frustrated at? And kind of figuring something out like that, too. Because I guess, you know, because it goes back to the thing, well, say you ask for help, well, whose help do you take, too, right? So Yeah. That's true. And uh, I mean, along your point, you were just saying the navigation, you're right, because if you're building the site, you know how to get to everything. But from an outside perspective, some of the simple things that I thought were really simple, I'd have people do and they're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Just do this combination of secret keys. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you can't find this? It's in the footer among the 10 other links. Like, it's right there. Like, I see yeah. it. Why don't you see it? <laughs> exactly. I think another thing to go along with your point is doing the work to find the right groups. Um, I was kind of hesitant when I first started out to really talk to people that I really knew what they were doing because it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to show you what my thing looks like until it's ready. It, it's ready. It's ready from week one, you know, just start getting some ideas going. There's also the other concept where you can never be ready, but you can always be prepared, right? You can be prepared to you know, improve things, uh, to change things, but you know, things will always move with the tide. So I guess we can never be ready too. There's a, a quote actually that I really like, and I'm going to probably butcher it, but basically it says that if you're not ashamed with the first version of your app or your website or whatever, you took too long to build it. And I totally believe that. I think the version 1.0, you should look back a year from them and be like, that was so embarrassing and so awful. There's like the fear of being, you know, Torn, taken down and like judged and being like is it because no one wants to get beat up all the time right or the rejection of having being told your site sucks and as soon as you get over yourself the better it is well one of my son or one of my friends actually said to me well no that idea is wrong because you only get one shot at a first impression and i'm like no 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 this is the internet every time you go to a site you get a new first impression of it you have a site and only 100 people come to it uh, a year from now, when thousands of people are coming to it, they're not going to be like, oh, a year ago, this was a really crappy website. I'm not going to use it. Just like you were talking about with Facebook and stuff like that. I, I can see where his point's coming from, but I think on the internet, it's not as like set in stone. Plus, you have 
millions of people. So even if let's say hypothetically, the first hundred people came to the site and are said, I'm never coming back to this. This is awful. Who cares? That's test. Who cares? You don't want, you don't want them to come back. Right? Exactly. Like, I mean, it'd be nice if they shared the brand with someone, which I guess in some ways you could improve upon that, but it's like, Hey, if then maybe they're just not the right people. It's like, you know, it's like you don't date every girl you see, right? You have some things you like, some things you don't like, you know, you don't eat every food you see, you know, some foods I don't like, I don't like eggplant or things like that. <laughs> and, it, and it's a learning process. So, you know, even if you had to completely get rid of those first hundred people, they're never going to buy from you. Is it worth it to learn how to market your website better? I would say so. Yeah, exactly. You just take lessons and you improve it into the site. Right? Like, like my friend, uh, Brendan Tully always says, like, say you learn some card abandonment thing in the email, sorry, like the leverage isn't to get them to buy the sale, it's to take whatever issue they have, some information that's not clear that caused them to abandon it, and then you re refix that on your website, either in the copy, you make the shipping information more prominent or whatever they had the concern about. That's like the real leverage, because then everyone else that comes here hopefully we'll have that issue resolved and you won't have as much abandonment too. Yeah, agreed. So my last one is to relax and let the magic of the internet do its thing. And I think this is something a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. Uh, you got to realize this takes time, kind of like you were talking about before, that a lot of companies don't see their SEO really going up until 36 uh, months into it or 48 months into it. It's going to take some time. I found myself working really hard and kind of just spinning my wheels. So the first couple of months I'd be working and working and I'd move the border over a pixel or I'd do this little stuff. Finally, a friend of mine's like, hey, let's go. Uh, I was living in Miami at the time and he was coming to visit me and he happened to be going on a cruise. So he's like, come on this cruise with me. I'm like, no, 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 I need to work. and I, I need to do this. He's like, look, it's pretty much already paid for. You're not gonna have to pay that much. Come with me on this cruise. And you know what happened is I went on this cruise and I had all these amazing ideas while I was relaxing. A lot of things I was working in kind of started to pay off. So I finally took a step back and I saw that all these emails I've been sending out for interviews, for instance, or all these different things I've been working on. Once I got away from it for a couple of days and saw those three to four days worth of results, what I'm doing actually is working. It was really encouraging. So that next week I went back and I had like the most productive week I've had in long, long time. Yeah. But I guess there's also the thing where like when you're starting out, you don't get sales, you feel like you should be doing something instead of just sitting around. No, I mean, it, without a doubt, it's a balance. And I wouldn't give this advice to everybody. Um, definitely wouldn't give this advice to everybody. But you know, if you really find yourself just struggling and struggling, maybe go for a walk, maybe take a little breather. That's something I wish I would have done a little bit more. I didn't give myself any relaxed time. And I found time and time again, every time I say to myself, all right, you know what? I need to take a weekend off. I'm burning out. I come back that next week and I'm just on fire. Like I just, I'm in flow constantly after I take a break. Yeah, and, it, and it's interesting but, when you say this, because on the extreme spectrum, it's like, hey, I started a website. Why isn't it making money in like two days? Yeah, no, without, with, <laughs> right? yeah you, without a doubt, you need to work really hard. But this this is geared towards the people that are, working really hard. Just know that if you keep that work up, it's going to it's gonna come in time, but let yourself breathe a little bit. Let yourself relax. Yeah, so how long did you say you kind of went through this valley? You said like it was like four to five months before you finally went to Brazil, or I don't remember the story. So entirely. yeah, I was in Miami. Um, and then after that, actually funny enough, on the cruise is when I realized this isn't 
why I quit my job. I didn't quit my job to be working harder. I saved up a decent amount of money on my previous job. So I realized, okay, I need to go backpack through South America, take some time off from the website. And uh, I did that. I was in Peru. And I remember, I, I vividly remember the night this happened. We got our first $500 sales day, which doesn't sound like a ton, but the month, the entire month before that was $500 in sales. So in one day for this to happen, I was blown away. And then the really crazy thing is the next day and the day after that were all $500 sales days. So we went from $500 in a month to happening three days in a row. So you basically I was, tripled your business in like a month and you weren't even in the country. You know what happened that next week? I was really excited to work. I got so much done that next week because I saw, I saw the fruits of my labor. And I think if you're, to almost use like a farming analogy, if you're constantly plowing and you're constantly working and you never take a chance to see what's growing, it's awful. You're not gonna, you're not gonna enjoy it yeah, at all. And what, what you did to get those, you know, three days in a row, $500, with the sales, it was probably like the two months, three months beforehand, the little things you did every day that added up to this down the line. And I guess you, you can never see it while you're doing it, like sitting on your desk in Photoshop in whatever shopping hut you're at. But like when you get it, you're like, oh, well, actually, this is kind of cool. Like this email I sent to this guy yeah. came back and he bought something. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> but like at the moment when you send the email, you're just like, oh, shit, I got to send all these emails and like do all this outreach or whatever. And it's just funny to say, like, when you actually sit back, you know, oh, yeah, okay, I can see where this came from. Kind of like planting seeds and finally seeing everything grow. Right? That, that's, like said. that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what it is, is you need, to, you need to take that time every once in a while. And I would never say this to someone who I think is just sitting around being lazy. But to those people that are really stressing out, why isn't it working? You know, maybe try taking a weekend off. Maybe go to the beach. I'm not saying uh, you necessarily have to do what I did and go backpack through South America. At that point in the business, I didn't know whether this was going to be a viable option. Like I said, that the month before I was doing this, it was a $500 in revenue. So I'm thinking, huh, maybe I need to come up with a completely new idea. So plant the seeds, you know, see if they sprout into something awesome. And when they do, I guarantee you're going to be excited to work again. I actually studied biomedical engineering in school. So neuroscience is really interesting to me. And for you to have creative ideas, you need to actually be able to relax. You need to, that's where creative ideas come from. That's why a lot of people do meditation and stuff like that. And you know what? I'd rather have one hour of just a really great thing that I'm working, a really great idea that I'm working on than do eight hours of just BS clicking on the computer working. So I think you need to facilitate that creative thinking. Obviously, I'm not saying uh, go be a, a hippie and just, do whatever, but that, <laughs> those creative thoughts, that, that thought of, oh, for instance, for me, oh, I need to start a blog. That's not something that you can work harder to create. It needs to be something that comes naturally through creative processes. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do I force this 3000 word article out? Right. It's kind of something like that too. When you want to write yeah. good content. So that's one thing I realized. So what I do now is actually, I go to cafes when I need to do creative stuff and I work from home when I need to do like grunt work stuff. Cause like cafes has this kind of like this energy you hang out, your mind is not as focused on certain things, I guess. So. Like I said, I found for me that walking really seems to, to help. And more than anything, I think sitting down, at least for me personally, I've had back issues and stuff. So eight hours of sitting down is painful. And I really believe that when you're in pain, you're not doing your best work. So 
by walking around for me, it just kind of gives me back into that natural state that humans are supposed to be in. Yeah, someone posted, was it James Altucher, that your brain, what your brain looks like after 20 minutes of walking, and you can see the different areas light up. Like sitting down is like just like, it was like a dark picture or something like that. I'll probably find it in the show. Yeah, now. I mean, exercise in general just releases tons of dopamine, and dopamine is what makes you happy. The whole reason we all start these online businesses, for the most part, unless it's out of greed, is to be happier. Try to be happy while you're working on this thing. It's not always easy. There's going to be lots of struggles along the way, but... I think if you can, for instance, you're talking about writing that 3000 word article, either each word could be a struggle or it could be something that you're really passionate about and you're excited to write about. I'd rather, I'd much rather write the 3000 word article about something I'm excited about. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Like for me in two weeks, it'll be actually in a week, it'll be a year since I left my job. It's kind of time flies. So I think I'll wow. do a big post about that. Uh, on somewhere. Congratulations. So, yeah, it's just funny that I always thought things would move a lot faster and quicker than they, than they do, but they never ha- it never happens that way. So, you know, I'll save this for the post, but it should be interesting, like, kind of reflect back one year after leaving the job what it's like. Because I think when you leave, you're like, oh, like, quitting is such a big deal. But no, once you leave, you actually have to, like, build a business and find customers and do marketing and, you know, talk to suppliers and all this stuff. So like, like really, if you, like, it's not that scary if you just quit. Like, the scary part is, if you know, when you're doing this stuff and stuff breaks or you don't make money, you don't make sales, things like that. So. That's true. All right, then, man. So I guess uh, we killed this topic for this week. Uh, just to recap, uh, my three were, uh, one, figure out the brand entity sooner, uh, two, picking something with repeat purchases, and three, uh, asking for help earlier. So what were your four again, just to recap it for everyone? My first one was pick a better name. My second one was to start a blog earlier. Third one was to realize that not everybody knows what they're talking about. Even us. And then, yeah, even us. <laughs> even no, us, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I've given people advice that they look at me and they're like, that's the dumbest thing you've, anyone's ever said. But And then the fourth one is to relax and let the magic of the internet do its thing. Yeah, awesome. Well, speaking of relaxing, and letting the internet do its thing. I think it's time we finish this call. And uh, yeah, we'll let you guys relax. Thanks for tuning in. And Travis has an email soon too. By the time this goes up, uh, he'll have Travis at BillMyOnlineStore.com. Send him uh, any love mail, hate mail, or... Uh, not, too, yeah. not too much hate mail. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I'll catch up with you next week. And yeah, take care. Sounds great. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bill My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at BillMyOnlineStore.com. If you've got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at BillMyOnlineStore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.